0: So if you got your Bibles with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. So a few weeks ago, knowing the election was coming, wanted to address it because we're all talking about it and thinking about it. But as the church, we are not a political body and we shouldn't be. We don't put our hope in either party or president. We put our hope in a king and his kingdom. I was kind of hoping today that the election wouldn't be settled so I wouldn't have to address it. Over the past few weeks, we talked about how God is in charge. And we talked about God's authority over us. And we talked about our responsibility to get involved. Today I want to talk about our opportunity Now that it's starting to look like the election is behind us. Because we as the church, we as the people of God, we as children of the king have an opportunity now. Perhaps an opportunity that is broader and deeper and stronger because it's not uh, intertwined with politics. Just want to share a little Verse before we get into our study today from Daniel chapter two says, He talking about God changes times and seasons. He removes and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God is in control of our world. Some will be celebrating politically, some will be hurting politically. Regardless, God is in control of our world. He is our hope. He is our answer. He is the one who can bring healing to our deeply divided world. Congratulations to our president-elect, congratulations. We're going to have a woman in the White House and a woman of color, regardless of your politics. Those are good things. But we as the church have an opportunity. And I want to talk about that opportunity today because we've got to grab it. Because there's a lot of work that God needs us to do as we seek to reflect him and his kingdom, we have an opportunity before us. It's a threefold opportunity. And I want to jump right in by talking from Ephesians 5, chapter 6. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus in a culture that is confused in a world that is divided, among people that are broken. And he says this to the church. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Test what is pleasing to the Lord. The first opportunity that we have as Christians that we need to grasp now is that we have an opportunity to shine. We have an opportunity to reflect Jesus. I want you to know that I planned this message before you even voted. This is not a political message. But regardless of who is in charge of our country, we have the opportunity to shine and we must grab it. Why? Because we are surrounded, verse 6, by empty arguments. By promises that can't be kept. We're surrounded by philosophies that won't heal. Empty arguments are all around us. They're not going to fix our problem. And in fact, God gets very angry and frustrated with all the empty arguments that we put out. His wrath is coming on those, we read, who are disobedient. And so Paul says do not partner with disobedience. Do not align yourself with things that are opposed to the wonderful will and way and love of God. Because what happens when we do, we cover our light. we put it under a bushel, when we're told to remove the light and to let it shine, when we give ourselves too much to the world, when we let sin have too big a hold on us, we cover our light and we miss the opportunity to shine. Verse 8, Paul says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light. You know, I didn't realize it until this week. I always thought it said, you were once in darkness. And when we read it as you were once in darkness, that causes us to think that someone else is the problem and we're just caught up in their problem. But that's not what Paul says, is it? He says, you were once darkness. You were a carrier of these empty thoughts. You were a carrier of this sinful sickness that has corrupted this world that God loves. You were once the darkness. But note that this phrase is written in the past tense because we're not anymore. Once we put our trust in Jesus, once we receive his forgiveness... We step into this land of light that reflects the beautiful and the bright and the glorious light of Jesus. We were the darkness. It wasn't something that we just got caught up in. It's something that we perpetuated. But we're not there anymore because we follow Jesus, the light of the world. You were once darkness, but you... Are now light in the Lord. When the Lord is in you, when the Lord is over you, when the Lord is working through you, then you can shine. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's a part of my daily disciplines. Every morning to pray through the headlines in the newspaper. I get the electronic version. It comes in about 5.30 when I'm in the middle of my devotions. And as I'm praying through the events that I'm reading in the newspaper, there is not a lot of goodness and righteousness and truth. Because goodness and righteousness and truth does not come from a dark world. It comes from a bright, light shining Savior. And that goodness and that righteousness and that light comes into this world as we reflect Him. I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to shine. If you try to shine out of your own strength, let me tell you, it's not going to make much of a difference. That's not a very bright light, I know, from personal experience. But if you are going to let Jesus shine through you, how you live, how you talk, through your humility and your character and your love, then you will grab this opportunity to shine. We live in a dark world. And those of us who are no longer in darkness because we've met the Lord of light have a responsibility to shine. Before we move on, Paul tells us one more thing. He says, if you're going to shine with light, you must test what is pleasing to the Lord. That's a really good word of accountability for all of us. Because it's so easy to think that we're following the will of God or assume that we are. Or believe that our upbringing somehow allows God to shine through us. But Paul says you've got to test that. And this word testing is a really interesting one. It talks about how God tests precious metals and how God purifies precious metals. And I want to tell you that because God loves you so much and you are so precious to him, he wants to test you. And so the process that this word testing talks about comes from the idea of testing precious metals. You know how they do it? They heat it up. They would take some silver and they would heat it up to the point that all the impurities in it would melt and burn away. Now, they wouldn't heat it up so much that it destroys the metal, but they would heat it up enough to remove the impurities. I want to let you know that if you're going through some heat right now, If you're going through a tough time, a difficult time, it's so that God can purify you. He's heating things up around you to remove the impurities. Why? Here's what happens when the impurities are removed from precious silver. You can start to see a reflection in that metal. A good metalsmith will tell you that if the metal is pure and precious that once the impurities have been removed you can see your face in it reflecting the only difference is is that as we are purified under heat so that we can shine in this world the reflection that people see should not be ours but be jesus We must be tested so that we can reflect Jesus. We have an opportunity before us that we must take to shine. And so I want to ask you today, because of everything that's happened this week, in spite of everything that's happened this week, because of everything that's happened this week, Would you take the opportunity to shine for Jesus? There's an opportunity for us to shine. Amen. Paul goes on. He says, do not participate in fruitless works of darkness, but expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead so that Christ can shine on you. What's happening in these few verses Is that Paul is saying to the church, you've got an opportunity to shine and you've got to take it. Because when you shine, you create an opportunity for change to happen. That's the second opportunity we have as we move forward. We have an opportunity to shine and we have an opportunity to bring change. Now again... Change is a political word in our world. But change is a very different word when we stand before God. God wants to change our hearts. He wants to transform us so that he can change this world and transform this world. We have an opportunity to shine and we have an opportunity to change. How do we do that? First of all, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. I don't know about you, but I've spent way too much of my life giving my time to things that are fruitless. Maybe if I did this, maybe if I go here, maybe if I vote this way, maybe if I do this or that. It's very easy for all of us to to walk towards a fruitless goal that is paved by sin. But Paul says if you want to change, the first thing you got to do is to step away from that which isn't working. Don't participate in darkness. Instead, expose them. Shine the light on. If you've been in a place and you go in and it's dark, and you don't know what all kinds of creepy crawlies are moving around, and you're glad you don't. You turn the light on and maybe you see a little cockroach running to cover because they don't like the light. We must turn the light on so that change can come. Don't participate in darkness. Don't talk about darkness. Paul says For it's shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Perhaps if he was writing today, he would say it's, it's shameful even to put on social media what is done in darkness. It is heartbreaking and wrong and sad the way that so many are treating people who think differently from them. We have to change that. And so we just don't participate in it, but we don't feed it as well. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. Therefore, it says, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This verse is probably a a, a song that they sung at the, the baptisms. Whereas the people were coming out of the water professing this change in their life, this new life in Christ, they were saying, wake up, you're not dead anymore, you're alive. Christ is shining in you, things are different, things have changed in your life. We have an opportunity this week to shine, amen. We have an opportunity to bring change by moving away from darkness. That starts by removing the darkness in here. You know, I spent a lot of time with the police department as a chaplain. And even though I've only been doing that a couple of years, some of the things that I see that police officers see on a daily basis is heartbreaking. And a few weeks ago, I was talking with a sergeant just about that. Because their whole lives are lived helping people who are in darkness. I said, how do you deal with this? Andy, I I process it this way. It's like there are three levels of life. There's the green zone, which is where most people live as they go about their lives. Good, honest, law-abiding citizens. Then he says to this next level, this yellow zone, where people aren't so good, where they get up to mischief, where they hurt one another. And he says this is the red zone? We get to go on those calls, where we see evil, and we see pained people doing painful things. I said, thanks, that's an interesting understanding, but what do you mean by that? He says, My challenge as a police officer is to live in the green zone with my own integrity and character, healthy and whole, while reaching out and helping those in the yellow and red. And I thought that's exactly what the church should be about. We live in the green and we reach out into those yellow zones where people are hurting and people are struggling and we bend down into those red zones of darkness and we shine the light of Jesus so that they can join him in the bright, glorious, golden zone. Maybe that's where the metaphor breaks down, but you get the picture. That's how we change, by shining our light. That's how we change the world, by giving ourselves to Jesus and letting his light shine through us so that we can reach out into darkness and invite people to the light. We have an opportunity before us. It's an opportunity to shine. It's an opportunity to change. And Paul goes on, it's an opportunity, I believe, To influence. There's people who love God. The creator, the Lord, the king, the sustainer, the one who rules over our comings and goings, the one who has a perfect plan for us. It's our job as we shine for him, as we bring change to influence people towards him. This is what Paul says. Pay careful attention then to how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let's just unpack that a little bit. I think it's a verse of influence. Pay careful attention. The word here as we um, dig into it has a a kind of optical connotation that that we're supposed to to sharpen our vision, to to clarify our focus, to figure out what we're, we're really about so we can make sure that we're influencing in the right way because all of us are influencers, right? Don't use your influence in an unwise way, but in a wise way. Ask yourself, am I making things better or am I making things worse? Am I solving problems or am I creating them? We are to be an influence that makes things better. We are to be an influence that solves problems. We are to be an influence that meets needs and heals hurts. Pay careful attention. Be wise in what you do. Make the most of your time. Some versions will say, take every opportunity that is before you. There are three ways that we can fill our calendar. One is that we can fill it with with wasteful opportunities. If we're not intentional, honestly, that's our default. The stats on the number of hours that people have been watching Netflix over the last few months is in the billions. I'm just saying, nothing wrong with watching a good show. But if that's what filling your calendar It's a waste. Some people fill their calendar just to look busy. But the kind of time it's talking about here is a different kind of time. It has this connotation of using our time redemptively, of using it for the purposes of God. It is when we use our time for the purposes of God that our influence is maximized. Because we're not just influencing now for the moment, for the short term. When we are using our time redemptively, we are influencing for the long term, for the kingdom, for people's eternity. Paul is saying you've got an opportunity before you to shine. You've got an opportunity to bring change and you've got an opportunity before you to influence. That's why he says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when someone gets pulled over for a DUI, it means that they're driving under the influence. Paul is saying that too much alcohol will influence you in reckless ways. And so he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here is not, not primarily a statement against getting drunk, although that's certainly part of it. I believe he's saying, who is influencing you? Will you let that Holy Spirit that we sang about and talked about earlier influence you? Because if the Holy Spirit is influencing you, then we are just becoming a conduit through which God can influence others. And if we're a conduit from God through which God is influencing others, then as we influence, we must do so in the same way that God wants to influence, which is in the way of love, the way of compassion, the way of truth, the way of honesty, the way of vulnerability. Paul says you have an opportunity to influence and you grab a hold of that opportunity to influence when you are influenced by that Holy Spirit. Not just that we sang about, not just that we talked about, but that Holy Spirit that we felt and experienced. Verse 19, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and make music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the reverence of Christ. He closes by reminding us of two things about the opportunity. First of all, it's an opportunity that we're given because Jesus is Lord. There is no one else who is worthy of that title. Not even close. The Lord Jesus the one who oversees, the one who's in charge, the one who is making all things new. He's the one who's given the opportunity because he desires that none should perish and all should come to repentance. Because he's Lord, our role is clear. 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's Lord, do we sit, submit to him? Absolutely. How do we express that submission to him? By submitting to one another out of reverence and respect and fear and honor of Christ. We started this series by affirming from Isaiah, the government is on Jesus' shoulders. He's in charge of our world. He created it. His to do with as he pleases. The government is on his shoulders. We submit to his authority. We fulfill our responsibility. But we must also, as his Church, take the opportunity that is before us. It's an opportunity whether we like who won or we don't. It's an opportunity whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's an opportunity whether you're more conservative or more, you're more liberal. It's an opportunity for all those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and submit to him an opportunity to shine, an opportunity to change, and an opportunity to influence.